podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us. It really helps other people discover us, and we always welcome feedback and communication on our social media, FWM Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and Feminists Without Mystique on Instagram. And if you want, you can support us on Kofi, K-O-F-I, if you want to throw us a few dollars for the softwares, the hardwares, the everywheres. <laughs> yeah, much appreciated. Welcome. Hello. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Here we are. Um, got a few topics to discuss. Just a few, yeah. Some news happened. Some good news. We're kind of starting off with a good, well, like tenuously a good thing because, of course, we're also scarred from the last five years of Trump. Like, is it good? But it feels like it's it's good. It feels pretty good that Mar-a-Lago was raided. Apparently boxes and boxes of files removed. You know, Donald was was reclaimed that his safe was, was accessed, which you would imagine <laughs> – during an FBI raid, they'd probably peek, peek at the safe. And of course, there were threats of demonstrations as countries never seen before. Marjorie Taylor Greene having oh, a bear of a time, like posting like the upside down flag. There was like a, a meme or a tweet or whatever the kids are calling it of, yeah, soon she's going to be kneeling for the national anthem. Right. Um, she's upset. A lot of people are upset. The NRA tweeted um, about the constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense when all this was released. Like, Civil War tweets. Like, mm, Mm. spooky shit has been happening as well. But I am just pleased that on the anniversary of the Nixon resignation, Mm -hmm. we got hours and hours of the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago for boxes and boxes and boxes of things um because like you can't just get a search warrant willy-nilly right it implies that judge had to sign off on this the judge Mm -hmm. was appointed by trump the fbi director was appointed by trump Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep um actually that they were you know yeah hard to claim that everyone you need a mountain of evidence the evidence has to say that both you have to have evidence that a crime was committed and Mm -hmm. that evidence of that crime is at the scene that you want to raid Uh, so there's a high standard of proof and then it's even higher considering this unprecedented the unprecedented fact that it is a former president have to be so specific about what you're looking for and where right um like you said, so many people were like, it's unprecedented. <laughs> yeah, well, this motherfucker was unprecedented. Right. And we thought he was just going to, like, get away with it willy-nilly. Right. But no. No. I mean, and I also just have to also point out for Marjorie Taylor Greene, she, when she screamed out in all caps on Twitter, defund the FBI, um, oh. dead Wesley <laughs> on Twitter retweeted. <laughs> he said, black voter outreach. <laughs> Like, it just made me, like, oh my gosh, this woman. Yeah, a lot of good memes were born. Oh, it was a great night on Twitter. It was, it was, I texted you, it was like, this really kind of felt like the night that Trump got COVID. 
Oh yeah, that was a hopeful evening. Yeah, um, yeah. It just it it felt nice, you know, like Alex Jones getting held accountable. Like it's been nice to see. And again, like we don't know exactly where this is going to go, but like you were saying, like you can't just go and be like, "Give me a search warrant, please." Like you need to have specific fucking information, evidence that says if I go to the X location, I'm going to find Y evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, unprecedented because this motherfucker <laughs> and the shit he pulled was unprecedented. Um, right. So they had to have some good ass evidence. And there was a part of me that was like, wouldn't someone in his circle be like hiding stuff? Wouldn't one person know <laughs> better? But then I think maybe no. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. he's gotten away with so much. His family's gotten away with so much. The people that surround him have gotten away with so much mm-hmm. that maybe no one in his circle that's left knows any better. Cause you've already heard about how like there was the team of lawyers that like did know better and they all left. Right. <laughs> and I don't feel like they felt a vested interest to protect him at the expense of like their potential freedom, right. you know, or their like ethical standards or, you know, their professional standards so i'm hopeful that maybe this is actually gonna like do the thing you know yeah oh i hope but i thought covid was gonna do the thing i know there are so many there have been so many moments and so many disappointments and it's hard Mm -hmm. to hard to believe that maybe something will stick but there are so many different investigations now into trump from Mm -hmm. so many different yeah like so many different corners that it does feel like perhaps the walls are closing in on him a little just yeah we don't even know what this is about specifically because there's so many trials and so many accusations that are well founded (laughs) against him and that they spent the whole day there and they got boxes and boxes and boxes of files like we don't even know what it's about no and i think it was like rachel maddow last night was also stressing oh yeah when she was talking about how basically like it's so classified that even the unclassified version of the classified, which is a separate like way to classify things is also, it's still not even there's, it it, it seems like it is such a high level of classified documents that it's actually pretty fucking serious that he's had like 10 plus boxes of something that might put, you know, troops in harm's way, important government secrets it's like there's a lot of and i i hate to be the uh broken record here but how many people were in hysterics over hillary clinton's emails but her emails it's just an Mm -hmm. evergreen drumbeat of but her emails we know that we know that um trump from his very very early in his presidency he wasn't respecting um official documents and and archive requests and the way that you're supposed to handle sensitive documents there was like a really funny moment where he was like using his flashlight to show shinzo abe the president of japan like (laughs) documents at mar-a-lago in the middle of dinner where there was just members of the public around um (laughs) but like and, and ivanka trump has has used her own personal email and that's been documented actually even james comey uh, there's been there was news years ago. People, every no one cares about it unless it's Hillary Clinton. But mm-hmm. he used his personal account and had documents there that were classified. So, um, but anyway, 
but I'm over it. Uh <laughs> she's fine. She's moved on. We've all moved on. <laughs> we haven't. But we haven't. We never will. In fact, I tried to buy a Bud Her Emails um hat from Hillary Clinton's store this morning. It was sold out, but good for her. I'll check back well, later. And I had friends too, because there was that meme that went around that was like Obama, Clint, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden. Like, uh, like obviously, we have issues with policies that each of them have implemented or would have. Be right. None of them are perfect individuals, but like one of my like you know progressive friends, and I consider myself progressive as well. Like the only thing they posted about this whole thing was like a vomit emoji at that meme. It's like, oh, Hillary Clinton's gross. Oh my god! Like, can we see the hypocrisy? of the situation and also the fact that Donald Trump, like someone tweeted about it It was like 20 times or something (laughs) that he said that someone under FBI investigation should not be allowed to run for president. Like, (laughs) can we not like, I get that you don't like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But can we appreciate the situation for what it is? Right. Whether or not you stand her, um, and someone, that same person uh, made a post about like an unlikable female protagonist, like the beginning of the, the movie we're going to discuss, but was referring to Hillary Clinton. Ugh, for, I'm just like, oh can God. we stop? Ugh. We've all heard that. We've all heard the criticisms. and We're all well aware and her, and her criti- critiques of Hillary Clinton are overrepresented and will be for the rest of time right can we celebrate this moment in history um where this motherfucker is maybe being held accountable for his actions yeah and by the way it's still maybe it's still a whisper it's It's still a perhaps (laughs) we don't know for sure it's really a glint in the milkman's eye (laughs) we're having fun with it um because it's all we have but like it could be taken out from under us. And the reason I, you can have fun is like we said, like there had to have been a shit ton of fucking evidence and right. people he appointed had to carry this out. Be like, oh yeah, nope. Without a doubt. Pretty bad. Pretty um, bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun and good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm fine with it, you know? I'm fine with it. Fine with it. Happy about it. And you can't take my joy away, at least not today. I did get in such a little in a little tiff last night with Campbell, my fiance, because uh he was like, if they fuck this up, if this isn't real, you know, like like with all of real. And I was like, don't steal my joy tonight, okay? I'm just having fun on Twitter. I want to like cackle at every little clever little mm-hmm. tweet and I'm going to throw likes around like I'm Oprah giving away cars. <laughs> Let us have fun, Campbell. I know. So uh, that was that. Um, other good news. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act got passed by the Senate. It did. We chittered about that last week. Yeah. Um it did indeed pass. So, okay. I don't know. It feels, am I in a coma? Like, I feel a little apprehensive about like multiple pieces of legitimately, probably, I can't even, can't be like legitimately good news. Like probably. Right. Uh, who knows? Right. Know? Uh, but it is 
jarring in like a good way maybe that good things may be happening in the light of like pounds and pounds of awful shit you know but I've just gotten so used to being like oh yep yeah (laughs) and now we've legalized (laughs) choosing orphanage (laughs) like just choosing to kill parents for fun I don't know but that's the newest thing yeah I I am very surprised at multiple pieces of potentially good news but cool yeah again statistically I feel like we're due for it right right it seems um it's nice you're right it seems like statistically that's a great point that like maybe good things sometimes happen and Mm -hmm. um interesting that you know this is the biggest piece of climate legislation ever to pass and Mm -hmm. certainly there were little bits and pieces that didn't get passed because of course like Kirsten Cinema couldn't let the carried interest tax um Mm -mm. go because why why would we let why would we tax hedge funds at a really nice fair rate tax them on their like in the interest they're earning on their money um whatever um and then of course depressing that we got 57 but we 57 votes but not the 60 so we're missing three republican votes for lowering the insulin um, yeah which is just like what are you do you know your constituents <laughs> what are we doing here yeah yeah i mean i suppose i was almost pleasantly surprised that we got seven republicans but then i was like why not three more for this like you I can guarantee- blame it on the democrats anyway like i guarantee their constituents need insulin right I don't mean any shade by that. Genuinely, it's just like a common American healthcare need that right. it feels stupid and not even like politically like a smart move to do that. I don't know if they're just counting on the mm-hmm. fact that their constituents won't even know about it. Right. Right. Um, they could just use that and still get whatever lobbying money or whatever that they're getting for not agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. But it certainly is not serving the people who elected them. Yeah. So they're probably just counting on the fact that they won't find out about it. Which yeah. is whew, depressing and uh, bad. <laughs> but hey. Hey. Passed, and it seems like it almost seems like things have been going well for Democrats for like three days in a row. And no one, including like press, no one knows what to do about it. <laughs> it's like, what? And inflation seems like. It's kind of going down a little bit. Gas prices are down like a dollar to the. That's... Yeah. I oh. mean, it's it's seeming okay. Things seem oh. there. Hey, I mean, maybe Biden, if he keeps getting COVID, <laughs> just shuts the fuck up and sits down. <laughs> Stuff happens. Uh-huh. Will you please not run? Please don't run, Biden. Please don't run. Go spend time with your family. Yeah. Some German shepherds. Like, have a nice barbecue. Yeah. You don't Just need to be president him. again. Like, you, I understand that he, in his story to himself, felt like he needed to do this. Mm-hmm. You're done. No, he has. You've you done it. it. Go have ice cream with some dogs. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you're done. Please stop. Please. Please stop. Oh, man. Uh, Here's the thing, too. 
Because you think, like, if Joe Biden watched the film Not Okay, which we're going to talk about, would he understand oh, segue. anything? Yeah. That's a segue for you. That's Ooh. a segue. <laughs> you think, like, well, he wouldn't understand any of the references, you know? And I feel like I barely understand, you know? So I feel like just as a marker of how um, ill-equipped he is to run, you know, maybe the barometer should be, are you going to understand what TikTok is? I do think maybe we're getting to the point where... I'm working on it. You, you know, I just... <laughs> there's a lot of content. It's a lot. I, it's a lot. It's a black hole. <laughs> I know I'll enjoy it, and no. I have in the past. I'm just... No, don't get one. I feel don't. like once I have one, I just don't go into it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I have a, a wonderful dear friend who sent me a lot of TikToks, and I keep getting <laughs> notifications of more. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm anxious about entering the space because one, there's so much waiting for me, and I know mm-hmm. I want to watch it all. If I didn't want to watch it, I would just enter the space. Yeah, you know, and just ignore that. But. Feel like at this point it's like thousands of videos do i have the time in my day <laughs> you um, don't you you don't and i want to participate you know what i mean like i, I want to turn the seat around and be like the cool substitute teacher I'm like oh i'm in my 30s on tiktok let me tell you kids a thing or two <laughs> you ever no, heard you of hurley or quicksilver <laughs> you have a serious jo- job and a child and um you don't need to be on TikTok. But I want, you know, I want to know what's happening. I mean, I barely know what's happening. But I want to at least barely know what's happening. <laughs> I want to know. Um, but anyway, not okay. Are we diving in now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get in there. I would say it's not a subtle film, but it's a good film, at mm-hmm. least from my perspective. I enjoyed it. Um, it was uncomfortable. It starts out by saying that there's like an unlikable female protagonist. And I was expecting, normally when we talk about like media, mm-hmm. I don't look at reviews or other people's thoughts ahead of time, but that's what let me know about this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so naturally I, I had seen that stuff and I was expecting to hate her yeah. and find no redeeming qualities. Um, and she was awful, don't get me wrong, but I did find myself feeling for her at certain points, which going into it based off of the review I had read before I watched it, I thought I would just kind of literally feel nothing toward her Mm -hmm. except for like judgment and, um, but it, it, so I guess we should give like a synopsis of the film. That sounds good. Um, it's a 20-something named Danny, and she is a wannabe writer at a like an e-zine or something called Depravity. And she's a photo editor, but she wants to be a writer, and she's just like coming up with like shallow pieces. Doesn't seem like she really has a perspective. Um, oh, the, the Vo- or Vox, the Vox. Oh. See, this is why I can't go on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> Vox, there's a line they wrote that I felt like, Mm. They said Danny's ultimate dream is to write despite not having much to say, which I feel like hits. Yeah. And I feel like that is a thing yep. for a lot of people where they like want to be creative, but they don't actually have like lived experience. Yeah. Um, 
of anything. And I feel like that kind of sums her up at the beginning of, of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically there's this guy, Colin, who I feel like we also will need to talk to. Yeah. He's just this like influencer stoner boy, like kind of Pete Davidson ish, but not as charming. Yep. Um, that she is, has a crush on. She's obviously depressed and she pretends she's going on this writer's retreat in Paris and photoshops these pictures of her there. And then a terrorist attack happens like moments after she posts a picture. Uh, I think it was like Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where that, where that happened. Um, and so people are obviously reaching out like, are you okay? What happened? So she pretends that she was there mm-hmm. for this uh, fictional terrorist attack where people died not fictional in the movie, fictional in real life. And it just sort of like snowballs from there. And she meet, you know, meets up with actual survivors of traumatizing violence, like a very likable young woman, Rowan, um, and all sorts of things happen from there. Um, but that's, I guess the little, the little synopsis in the whole movie opens with her saying, you ever want to be noticed so badly? You didn't care what it was for. Um, and, throughout the movie I again I was surprised that I had empathy for her at different points because I expected mm-hmm. to just hate her yeah. and I mean she does atrocious things that are pretty unforgivable mm-hmm. um, but at the same time it's very well established throughout the movie that she's wildly depressed that I don't know like what the chicken or the egg is with her and social mm-hmm. media and whether it's like her seeking approval through this platform made her depressed or she was depressed and she was trying to find validation through this platform. Um, but she's, she's a fucked up person. And, uh, she, I feel like at a certain point she starts to actually try to be a better person. Mm -hmm. And then it comes out the awful, borderline unforgivable lie that she told Mm -hmm. and she's doxxed and death threats come and she is kind of held as the standard of the worst person you know like compared to being worse than Hitler and things like that um you know which begs the question of like what at what point do we cancel what point do we forgive Mm -hmm. who do we give a second chance to um and I do feel like if she were a a charming man, she might have a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but because she was an unlikable woman, quick to be buried, and um, you know, she's—I mean, she said and did awful things throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I hated a lot about her. Yeah, um, but it did really seem like she was a broken person and at a certain point she started to kind of put the pieces together of what like good people are yeah. and genuinely wanted to be around that and wanted to become that. Yeah. Um, so that was a surprise to me. Cause you know, again, I thought I was going to be watching something where the whole time I was like, you monster. Yeah. Just, I mean, she did something that like, if anyone in my life had done that, I'd be like, you faked a tragedy where people died. Yeah. To get clout. Like, how do you, you know? Yeah. How do you forgive that? But at the same time, it's like she was numb and depressed and trying to find 
reason and all these things, which again, don't validate what she was doing or excuse it. But like she, I don't think she was a sociopath, which is kind of what I had assumed when I read the synopsis, I guess. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, I found this, I mean, I found this movie really interesting and disturbing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did think she was generally, yes, she was, she was an unlikable protagonist. The warning label that they slap on at the beginning, while I feel like it's supposed to be parody, mm-hmm. I got very, it sort of, I was in my own head kind of just from the beginning being like, okay, but was that parody or like, are we kind of all winking being like, but seriously, she's so unlikable. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it just didn't feel meta enough for it to be able to be satirical to me um because of what she did it just is sort of I don't know maybe if it was at the if there was a warning slapped onto something like Fleabag or something it would Mm -hmm. be different but with this it felt like I don't know how I I ended up feeling complicated about that label of like that she's an unlikable female protagonist because I didn't know where to if it fit into the box of satire for me, that piece of warning, quote unquote. Um, I, I also just found it really sad. Like Mm -hmm. I I just was like really sad this whole movie. Um, And it was, I was reading reviews and they were like, Oh, if you're, if you can't watch cringe kind of cringe comedy, or if you can't watch, if you get second secondhand embarrassment, you know, you're not going to do well with this movie, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely hate those moments of secondhand embarrassment and I get it. But um, the question of basically what will people do to feel something with social media and like this whole system that all of our bra- – many of our brains, including mine, have been wired around with the dopamine hits for – likes and blue check marks interacting with you in any form um and clout and using like conflating basically like being a good writer with having uh, having some sort of trauma that you can write about uh and then that gives you social clout it gives you it, it, it it's like We've now moved to a place, I think I'm now forgetting which review was talking about this, but basically where so many people's careers are things that we used to be kind of, that used to be playthings in our spare time, but so many people are in the content, social media, marketing, and communications game that it's a playground, but it's it's a professional, it's a space to grow your professional life. And so she's everything about her is like wrapped up in the, her depressive behavior, but her, and, and sort of seems like a self-loathing and an inability to really know what, what find her center at all, know what she's about, know, um, have any sort of like backbone. Um, and it's Mm -hmm. so sad to see her like her professional life where she can't connect with any of her colleagues and they kind of treat her with this disdain that felt a little unearned. Like 
it almost felt there were moments the weak the weaker parts of this movie I felt were when she felt like a caricature. She felt mm-hmm. a little too over the top, a little too like everyone was like, ugh. Like she's like almost felt like a nineties movie, a nineties high school movie where she was being treated like the unpopular loser and then yeah, like, like pushed down and her books fall to the floor. Kind yeah. Of yeah. That was kind of weird. Um and then the other thing that kind of strained credulity for me that bothered me enough to find it distracting was she's in her 20s. So they're like this 20 something millennial. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like she wasn't a millennial. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I It felt very Gen Z. And this felt like a Gen Z movie, like absolutely to a T. And it's it's talking about something that has surpassed, like we are, millennials are past this moment. Um, this is gen this is a gen z this is rooted in a gen z um problem i mean we have this problem too but the the um it's like the zeitgeist of gen z and so but the movie and reviewers describe her as a millennial and i don't feel like we can have she's not straddling like in an effective way. So I got distracted. I was kind of finding myself distracted by sort of details, I would say. There were details that I got hung up on that were, if this is going to be a satire of a generation, or if this is saying something very broad about um, the moment that we're in, it's doing a good job of some of that. And it had didn't have enough care um, in some of the details that distracted me so I come out being very like very interesting interesting movie and certainly by the end I really you know the end um had some really interesting things to say about um like kind of also like kind of plagiarizing like take Mm co-opting people's ideas people's pain people's trauma for your own benefit. Um, and I, I kind of wish they'd had a teensy bit more of that. Cause that was really, that was another uncomfortable thread that started developing. Um, yeah, it had some interesting threads and some interesting thoughts. Um, and in terms of the like the millennial piece, I feel like <laughs> a lot of people just still don't understand like millennials at this point are mostly in their thirties and forties. Right. <laughs> um, and are you know not not zoomers um i'm like we said i'm still like trying to figure out tiktok um i just googled it because i'm like i don't know where the younger i guess i assumed we were the younger millennials (laughs) 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 um and apparently like the actual millennial is 26 to 41 years old today Okay. Um, but zillennial, zillennials, zillennials, millennials with a Z are the younger group of millennials born from 1993 to 1998. And I feel like that's probably the okay. age they're trying to put her at. If not younger, she seemed younger to me. Yeah. Um, and her experience wasn't like any of the experiences I know from myself or my friends. Um, so if she is a millennial, I would say she's a zillennial. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, I had assumed in watching it, like not assumed, but I, had, she resonated with me more as a younger, um, a younger person. Um, and I, 
was blessed to not have to grow up with a lot of these. I mean, we had MySpace. <laughs> we did. And things like that and insecurities and um, and all of that. But yeah, no, I think she was definitely like a, at the very least a zillennial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that she and... I don't know. I don't feel like it was messily done because I did I don't know, I go back and forth like I enjoyed it and I feel like there were things that were said in the film that did resonate and that mm-hmm. did have some depth to them and then some things that I was like okay this is so over like heavily handed I feel like I'm being hit in the head of the brick yeah um and I don't yeah again like I don't feel like she was I feel like there was some likability to her mm-hmm. just in that they humanized her and that they we were, it was her perspective right you know and her co-workers like you mentioned were just kind of mean to her until yeah. she got clout yeah and then they were nice to her and i think you know the the value that we give human beings once they have a certain amount of followers or a certain internet presence um is kind of fucked up because the things that she was doing Mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie were fucked up things where right. you know she was in the elevator with two queer characters being like you guys are so lucky to have pride and a parade and like queer bowling yeah which like you know one of them was like a queer black man and like sure like fuck you you know yeah. like <laughs> uh, but the fact that they changed their tunes uh when she got the followers mm-hmm um was was interesting yeah you know it's like so was their distaste for her actually rooted in the shitty things that she did mm-hmm. or did everyone just decide they didn't like her right. you know and like she was obviously like unwell and would say certain things that I, it, it did feel like a little bit like ganging up on her but at the same time she did and said things that were really not cool. Yeah. And she, interestingly, herself only started paying attention to her friend, the friend in the support trauma support group once she realized, like, mm-hmm. oh, this person is a blue check mark. This person has clout. Uh, and that was how she was giving people her attention when she was really only there to basically take their pain and write about it, to frame her own fake mm-hmm. pain, which was yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah. She was trying right. to figure out how to convincingly write about the pain that she had experienced when she wasn't actually like a victim or a survivor of any of these things. And right. There was another character there who was a very nice dude who um, in the movie, like was at the Ariana Grande concert when mm-hmm. that, attack happened um and she's with him and with rowan who's the the person who is a survivor who has a clout and she ignores the other guy you know like it's mm-hmm. and those moments happen throughout where you're reminded like okay she's a, and like her co-worker like she his name's kevin and she's like no i'm pretty sure it's calvin you know like <laughs> but i feel like those moments get lesser and lesser throughout the movie and maybe yeah. it's because I was expecting her to be just like the worst fucking person in the world and she was really a bad person yeah. a yeah. narcissistic person 
um especially at the beginning of the movie that it's like i softened to her over time yeah Um, because you could see her you know at least the actress like having moments towards the end in the middle of the movie where you could see her like actually starting to feel things and connect um with rowan and you would start to feel for her because you could see what her motivation had been the whole time Mm -hmm. um but that being said she still treated so many people like shit yeah (laughs) and it was only seeking relationships where she felt like she could get more followers and more of this or more of that because that was the you know that was the currency and that is the currency for a lot of people and that's what yeah. scares like I am overall like kind of uncomfortable with influencer culture it feels shallow it feels contrived like there are some people um some quote-unquote influencers that I enjoy mm-hmm. and I feel like those people started producing content or at least they convinced me <laughs> they started producing content to like fill a need or a niche or like express themselves and they just yeah. happened to gain followers over time but these people that have these really curated social media profiles um and being an influencer was like an aspiration to them makes me nervous yeah because i don't see how you can be authentically yourself and have the goal of becoming an influencer at the same time and that could just be like a generational divide and i'm missing something mm-hmm. um but it makes me nervous i i get nervous that like my daughter is gonna like grow up and feel like she has to present herself a certain way mm-hmm. um like we all kind of felt pressure to be a certain way and to subscribe to certain trends growing up but the way that like the TikTok and the Instagram are nowadays, like it's really a different ball game. Um, and yeah. you can quantify your popularity um, and you see other people and you can decide to look the same as these people, you know, and you can use filters and you can dress a different way. And as much as the internet allows us to be creative and gives us, facets for that Mm -hmm. it also promotes everyone looking and conforming to the same kind of standard of beauty or you know the same way of being within your clique or how you want to be and it makes Mm -hmm. me so nervous like I feel like individuality is going to be stamped out and kind of like the episode we talked about like quote-unquote aging gracefully it's like we decide collectively what's attractive and then we have the technology and the tools to give any person with a certain amount of money that. Yeah. Um, and it makes me nervous. I yeah. Don't, I don't like it. Like, I think it's great that we have a tool to connect with one another. And I think that kids being able to find like-minded kids and maybe feel better about themselves is great. Mm-hmm. But I worry um, again, I feel like I sound ancient, but I just worry about like where it ends and like, yeah, what does it mean to want to be an influencer and what is real online, yeah. you know? Yeah. And to what degree? I mean, really, like when you said chicken or the egg earlier, it's like she grew up with all this. So mm-hmm. at what point, like really how much culpability does someone have when they're when the, you're obviously 
depressed and there's like, I mean, it feels like mental illness is almost baked into the utilizing of mm-hmm. Instagram. I mean, and TikTok and a lot of these, like you, you have to be relatively sturdy to withstand the pressures and the, um, the influences of it. I mean, I, I think that like, we've talked about this with aging gracefully and, um, on different, like different moments with Instagram where like, I mean, I've, I've found, and then like, I think you've said you've found for different, at different times, like, but with planning a wedding, it's like Instagram knows. And like, it has just, Instagram has become a really completely different place for me. And it, makes me anxious about things that I never thought I would care about. (laughs) Like, or, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, hey, here's another pretty wedding dress that's like never going to fit you. And you're never, you know, like you're never going to wear this, but here we're putting it on your homepage. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, well, I mean, I do want to still have Instagram to see what is going on with friends and like a couple of other people. But like, I don't necessarily appreciate the being inundated with, you know, with imagery that makes me subconsciously feel inadequate. Um, and I can't, um, you know, I can't, I can't imagine the way that kids brains, how that stunts your development and warps your entire perspective on, on the world. And then what you're willing to do. And I mean, with her and this lie, I didn't, I think like you said, like I, I thought I would completely hate her. And, um, we kind of know from the beginning that she's careening towards disaster. They set it up as like, she is the most canceled person on the internet. Everyone hates her. Um, but you do see how one lie leads to another lie leads to another lie. Um, and I, I wonder also how I, I, one thing I also really liked was her, they keep putting her back in that place, like at the Arc de Triomphe where she's, she's created a fake memory. Mm -hmm. And I know that our brains, like science has said that our brains do create fake memories. And we Mm -hmm. like over the course of like years, you tell yourself something enough, it becomes something that you actually believe happened. Um, indistinguishable from what actually happened. Uh, and I mean, she, obviously, this was such a contrived lie. I don't think it necessarily falls under that um, that category. But she kept incorporating things that she learned into this landscape of a lie she created, and it was just. I think, yeah, I I don't even know really what I'm trying to say in this moment. Just like I, I thought that that was sort of an elegant way to. Um, depict how it's one lie it's one thing it's a vision that she's put forth to be popular on the internet and get some clout and have a her crush like her and then one thing that happens totally out of her control leads her into a spiral where she feels like there's no way out she has to keep lying and the lie and the landscape of what she's envisioned for herself gets bigger and bigger um yeah it's a it's gnarly and depressing. It is both these things. And it's like good writing, I feel like connects with other people. And she was having an issue of connecting with other people because she was writing about 
trivial shit like living off the train exit and have like a matcha yeah (laughs) you know but like if she had actually written about her depression and her loneliness without co-opting grief from other groups you know she probably could have written something good or decent you know like when she was in the um the grief group with the the people who actually had experienced traumas like shootings and bombings um they were speaking about how they would see life sometimes monochromatically in like one color and they were talking about their colors and she you know she had been there kind of like taking notes on her phone for her fake writing piece and she started to identify with them oh no i see monochrome i see gray i don't feel Mm -hmm. anything i feel numb and it's like that's some you know like Mm -hmm. you're trying to co-op someone else's experience and you don't have to do that like human beings have such a wide array of experiences and and griefs and and hardships that like you don't have to pretend to have been part of a bombing or part of a marginalized community to like connect with somebody else Mm -hmm. or to write in a way that people connect to you you know it's like you you could have you found connection there despite not having in common with them what they were gathered there to talk about. Right. You know, like you could have written about that. Yeah. But it's like, she didn't have the self-awareness or the introspection available to herself to understand that. And so it's like, it went like, she kind of grew in a sense Mm -hmm. throughout the movie in identifying those types of feelings through the help of Rowan. Um, but never was able to, you know, quote unquote, successfully write about that. Right. Because she was so, you know, wound up with getting the followers and feeding this lie. It's like you could have reached a lot of people by just being like, I feel numb. Yeah. See the world in gray. Like, I don't, therapy doesn't work. I'm tripling my Lex Protos, you know, like. Yeah. She was very obviously in pain in a way that a lot of people probably are, but she didn't see the way to express herself through what was actually happening in her life. Yeah. And people around her, like, treated her like shit. Because, I mean, again, to be fair, like, (laughs) she were my coworker and she said some of that shit to me. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you, you know? Like, yeah. Right, like that's your being. But she bears responsibility for that too, for not being self-aware and for discounting other people's experiences. Yeah. Right. But but there's nuance. Yeah. Yeah, there really, there is, there is. Uh, And what did you think of um, Colin? (laughs) Pete Davidson's, uh, the poor man's Pete Davidson. I know, honestly, like the worst version. I feel (laughs) feel bad for Pete Davidson, who apparently is now like in crisis because of Kanye's Oh my God, I know. Sidebar. So, okay. So Kim and Pete broke up. I don't know. Which everyone was like, I saw it coming. And I, my naive ass was like, I don't know. I thought they could have made it. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, they seemed of, happy. They I did, don't know. They did seem happy. I I was always like she's got twenty years on him. I know, but like I don't know. It seemed like they served each other in a way they, that yeah. could have lasted, but maybe 
I was I did I was the only person that I know that was like I thought they were gonna work out <laughs> he did seem really good for her um it just was it, yeah whatever they 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 said it was schedules and distance um yeah I mean it was that is Australia sad or whatever but like fuck Kanye. I mean, there's no excuse for that. I mean, we're just we've just been talking about mental health and but he is he is an adult, you know, with this is his ex-wife and he has kids with her. There's no excuse. It's just like I'm just what a what a what a disgusting poor taste what disgusting poor taste behavior, basically. Yeah. Like something what, like Skeet Davidson dead or something. Um yeah. He did delete it, but not don't agreed. do it in the first place. And I mean, violent, like, yeah, just, I mean, honestly, like, I, I can't deal with people excusing him at this point. He is beyond, um, he needs to just like go quietly into a corner and work on himself and like be a dad to his kids and mm-hmm. just try to not be a total public dipshit. Um, advocating for violence against someone who's just had the crime of dating his ex-wife like come on anyway side note okay back to back to your weed boy colin right wasn't that his like handle on instagram yeah, it was like yeah that i think that was it <laughs> it was like oh my gosh was, so embarrassing he was awful like he also it's like he i don't know if it was commentary or just like my opinion watching it but like he treated people terribly yet like his star continued to rise you know yep because he was like a fun dude yeah you know and if you're a fun dude you know you can kind of do whatever you want to do it can be Um, part of his persona just that he's a yeah and he like had sex with her and said something like you're like a helpless little girl or some shit and then she went to get plan b and looked him up on like on instagram and he was getting like licked by other women you know and then she went to like the the group the grief groups like softball game or whatever it was and had a really nice time um she also felt like i felt like she was growing yeah, that was um, that was sad. <laughs> just yeah. just knowing what was what she was headed for made every single one of those things just more painful to watch. <laughs> yeah, and it's like she did do it to herself, but at the same time, it was just like, oh god, she's she dug herself into this, but she's also, it seems like, becoming a better person. Yeah, but, I don't know, but he was awful, and then after that, he was like oh you playing hard to get or whatever and then this other character harper who eventually is the one who you know found out the main character um it's like you're from maine colin (laughs) (laughs) and he was like oh but that ass though you know like putting on this whole fucking persona and he's like yeah we all know a lot of things about each other whatever um but he was just a shitty dude like he was the dude to aspire to be with you know yeah and like what was he actually offering yeah it's it's like the thing that I think 
he gives her like a partially smoked joint at one point it's like sorry for your trauma here's my old weed (laughs) it's so accurate that he would be the person in your early 20s that you like one this is the one (laughs) yeah and you make bad life choices to get this person's attention it's it's I don't know it shouldn't be like a rite of passage in your early 20s that you have to like get totally entangled with some sort of disgusting specimen um but yeah so that kind of it's just and like you say his star continued to rise while offering nothing and like he had nothing to tick to make TikToks about or write about or he wasn't like a compelling artist or he had he worked for they worked for the same company and yet he was never producing content that necessarily was compelling it was just sort of like he's part of like the vibe really that's what I got from him He's a vibe guy. He's a vibe guy. People decided who was attractive, and then that sort of just like fed into itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like there, I feel like there were like levels of just fame granted to people. And like he was the one who the most, you know, most easily achieved that by just emitting a vibe. Yes. A vibe. You know, and it's like people of color, women of color have to fight a million times as hard to achieve any sort of like public recognition and success and guys like that can just like waltz in um and then people like our protagonist can achieve those levels more quickly but at the same time they're gonna fall from that that height much more quickly than the dude would you know right like as white women They have a lot more leeway than women of color, than men of color are given. But Mm -hmm. that being said, they have less leeway than the the lovable stoner, even if he's, like, borderline assaulty. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, as long as he's got a cool vibe, we're we're okay with it. Ugh. Yeah. (sighs) Ah. Interesting piece of... uh piece of film very very of the moment and Mm -hmm. uh it leaves me just being like i don't know what to uh i don't know where we i don't know where things are going like what's (laughs) i know i don't either also i did want to do a shout out to guinea weasley um the guinea pig (laughs) named guinea weasley i thought that that was a fun little moment i literally my notes it says shout out shout out to (laughs) so Yes, I'm so glad you did. Yeah, that. and I'm glad that there was no like tidy ending and no like emotional catharsis. Um, right. Yeah, I, I feel like it did do a lot of things well, and it made me think. Um, yeah, it was definitely not subtle, but I think it was a good film in that it it made me think about things, and that I think the characters were well thought about, and yeah, they named named the rodent well. They did. They did do that. And now for we see you. ABC. <laughs> home of the Bachelor, home of the Bachelorette, which I watch every week, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I found out recently, which I wasn't surprised about, that over the course of the more than 20 years of shows, and now there's all these spinoffs, there's Bachelor in Paradise, there's Winter Games, which I've never watched. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they have had two contestants who identify as plus size over all of these years, and neither of them made it past the first round, which is like when you have either The Bachelor or The Bachelorette and like 20 to 30 quote unquote contestants. One was a woman, one was a man. The woman was a size 10. And it's even more disheartening when you think about the fact that one of the recent bachelorettes, Katie, had explicitly requested men who were plus size um, because she said, you know, I'm attracted to all types of men, you know, as long as they have kind personalities and senses of humor. I'm attracted to like bigger dudes, smaller dudes, whatever, like give me the gamut. Yeah. And they still wouldn't do it. Um, Which... Yeah, it shows like a very, very deep-seated fat phobia within the franchise, which is not shocking, um, given how much they had to be pushed to diversify the cast in terms of race. But the fact that over thousands of human beings, (laughs) two fall outside of, you know, basically what would be considered model sizes, because the people who are quote-unquote plus size, they would be plus size models, like not even plus size in terms of like clothing sizes quite disgusting not in tune with the american public and also not in tune with actually what the people had requested so what are you doing uh we see you oh we see you disappointing very Mm -hmm. disappointing okay so (laughs) a church production in um from the door theater um door theater in McAllen, texas um they basically put on a production of hamilton they staged the musical and changed lyrics to make them religious and so they added religious messaging they added anti-lgbtq messaging um and they did not get the okay or the rights from the team behind hamilton um, so that's offensive. <laughs> so for so many reasons, it's like doesn't mm-hmm. represent at all what Hamilton's trying to say about the world, the team, the creative team behind it. Um, they sent a cease and desist as soon as they became aware of the production. Um, yeah, it was upsetting. Um, there was, aside from just not having any sort of license for this, um, There was a sermon at the end of the production in which a man said that God could help people with their struggles, and he listed homosexuality along with broken marriages, drugs, and alcohol. Um, There were other changes and other, yeah, other unauthorized changes um, just throughout the show, which was live streamed, so you can actually find bits and pieces of it um, online. Um, In one um, moment, uh, one clip, uh, there is a song that's Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, um, in which Eliza says, I helped to raise hundreds of children. I get to see them growing up. Um, (laughs) It's changed to, I introduce hundreds of children to Jesus as they're growing up. (laughs) Um, Oh. Yeah, different. In the song, That Would Be Enough, the original lyric is, but I'm not afraid. I know who I married. So long as you come home at the end of the day, that would be enough. And that was changed to, 
but I am not afraid. My hope is in Jesus. If you could just give him a chance today, that would be enough. Oh my God. Um, yeah, they added a whole scene in which Hamilton repents for his sins and accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, which of course isn't in the show. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they just like continued to change things. Also, like bastard orphan son of a whore became scoundrel orphan son of a harlot. <laughs> Oh, um just offensive for so many reasons but like honestly the audacity of this theater um i mean ah oh, we see you you guys goodbye goodbye <laughs> yeah a bit much <laughs> yeah. dare i say really not in the spirit of the original uh the source material there no um, the audacity such audacity Johnny Depp speaking of audacity um, we've spoken a lot about him in terms of uh, his abuse uh, of women Uh, yes we have he doesn't he's not ending it there great great he's multi-talented when it comes to being terrible Um, as you may recall he's a musician now slash was uh (laughs) I believe that's how he, yeah, I believe that's how he got started and that's how he'll, I think he's already done. Uh, Captain Jack on the track. (laughs) I'm done. Uh, Please continue. (laughs) Johnny Depp and Beck joined forces uh, on a song or called Sad Motherfucking Parade. Oh. Um, very edge <laughs> very cool and hip with all of the tiktoks so cool yeah apparently uh that shares many 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 lines with a um with a piece of art called hobo ben by slim wilson which was uh recorded by bruce jackson who's a an esteemed folklorist in the mid 60s uh, Slim Wilson wrote poetry and toasts, and Bruce Jackson performed a lot of them. Anyway, nearly 60 years after the recording of that, uh, Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck uh, threw the song out off their new album, 18, pulling a bunch of word for word lines from Hobo Ben, including uh, a line that literally is part of their title, the song title. Mm. Um, and you can look up like the exact word for word comparisons, but there are only a couple of lines in the whole song that are original. Hmm. Two lines, actually. One is big time motherfucker. And the wow. other is Inspired. bust it down to my level. <laughs> Um, and everything else is from Slim's uh, performance, which is also recorded on the record. And there's no credit to him on this album whatsoever. And Bruce Jackson says, I've never encountered anything like this. I've been publishing stuff for 50 years. And this is the first time anybody has just ripped something off and put their own name on it. Wow. So it's just like a... Think about Johnny Depp that I've learned is he is down to just flagrantly abuse. Yeah. And assume he's not getting in trouble for it. Um, 
Which can you so blame him? That's what he's keeps. That's the messaging he keeps receiving. Yeah, it's his brand now. Uh, so I'm not going to act like I was shocked by this, but I was surprised to see like, oh wow, you're just ripping off another artist when their words are recorded in history, and you're not going to give them any credit for it. In the oh. midst of all of this shit with Amber Heard. Like, you're not thinking to be like, maybe I should be, like, a little extra careful. Right. um, And not do shady things. Which makes you feel even more and more like, at the very least, you're a narcissist, my friend. Yeah, at the very least. At the very least. But we see you to both uh, Beck and Depp. Thanks, boys. We see you. We see you guys. (laughs) All right, Meta slash Facebook, because, like, uh, who are you fooling? Uh, all right. Um, so Facebook gave Nebraska cops a teenager's DMs so that they could prosecute her for having an abortion. This news has been everywhere recently, um, but it is kind of the first of its kind. Uh, it's the first instance of a person's Facebook activity being used to incriminate her in a state where abortion access is restricted. Um, this, uh, abortion that she got was before the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Nebraska, uh, currently outlaws abortions beyond 20 weeks. Um, and actually fun fact, uh, this past week, Republican lawmakers in Nebraska actually failed to secure enough votes to decrease that window to 12 weeks. So little wins, little wins. Um, But uh, the girl, the teenager who um, and her mother were charged in July with allegedly removing or concealing or abandoning a dead human body and concealing the death of another person um, after the Norfolk Police Department received a tip claiming that um, the teenager, Celeste, had miscarried in April at 23 weeks pregnancy and uh, received a tip that she had secretly buried the fetus with her mother's help. Um, She had told police that she suffered a miscarriage, Um, but the police decided to investigate instead of just fucking leaving it alone um, and asked Facebook for assistance and a search, um, a search warrant so that they could get access to Celeste and her mother's Facebook accounts. And then they found when they were granted that by Facebook, they found messages, um, between the mother and daughter, uh, detailing allegedly how they had, uh, managed a, an abortion. Um, so this is frustrating for, you know, I mean, where to begin, like, from, you know, the dystopia that we're in. I think I find it very frustrating that this is something that happened before Roe Roe v. Wade was overturned and yet somehow it's being investigated. Um, Then that you, that Facebook would really be prioritizing this type of a request from um, the Norfolk Police Department of Nebraska. Um, A Facebook spokesperson Uh, Andy Stone said, uh, quote, nothing in the valid warrants we received from local law enforcement in early June um, prior to the Supreme Court decision mentioned abortion. The warrants concerned charges related to a criminal investigation and court documents indicate the police at the time were investigating the case of a stillborn baby who was burned and buried, not a decision to have an abortion. (sighs) Um, So 
this is this is the world that we're in where there are people who are going to tell on you if you're getting an abortion, if you're managing it yourself. Um, this is um, a mother who was trying to help her daughter. There was um, another person, um, a 22-year-old man who was also charged um, and pled guilty, I think, to some sort of aiding and abetting charge. Um, but it's very chilling that this is where we're at. Um, both of them are facing felony charges. Um, the mother is facing five criminal charges, including three felonies, and her, her 17-year-old daughter is being tried as an adult and facing three charges, including one felony. Um, so this just seems colossally fucked up to me. Um, and uh, yes, I think there's there's evidence that it seems like she did they wanted to get rid of the evidence so they were going to burn the body apparently this is like part of the God. messages or it suggests and like yes that's very upsetting <laughs> i mean but you're we're in a situation where it's criminalized there's a certain level of criminality with trying to self-manage an abortion and um this is people trying to get rid of evidence uh of a criminal act that should just be held handled Not safely yeah. in a hospital so, um, yeah, this is a, we see you to the Norfolk police department for not having anything better to do with their time. And then to meta for being stupid enough to comply with something like this. Um, it's, uh, it's a chilling, it's like the chilling reality that we're in. We see you. We see you. And you know, if it was like another type of crime, they'd be like, no, we can't divulge this information. Mm-hmm. Privacy. <laughs> privacy stuff you know doesn't apply to women and girls in certain situations of course they don't need privacy no anyway not, not when it's a healthcare decision no then let's let everyone know all right dane cook so <laughs> we knew about his sketchy relationship a long time ago but he made headlines recently when it was like dane cook proposes to longtime girlfriend <laughs> Kelsey Taylor, who's 23 and he's 50. And the memes came out about like, how long time is this? Uh, yeah. Um, they started officially dating when she was 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They met at a game night hosted at his house. And allegedly they were friends first. Mm-hmm. You know... I'm barely in my 30s, and I have no friends who are teenagers. I cannot imagine being 50 years old and being like, I made this new friend. They're 17. Like, mm -mm. so apparently at Dane Cook's game nights, uh, the youngest attendees would be 14 year old girls. Uh oh. Yeah, and apparently that was like a whole thing. Um, So. Him and Kelsey, his now fiance, became friends when she was 17 or younger. The earliest documented photo of her that was publicly posted at a game night, she was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he said, we, we became friends, then fell in like, then fell in love. Okay. It sounds like he was grooming her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you start dating a man in his late 40s as a teenager, yeah, it's not, even if it's technically legal, and that, like, there are so many people in the comments who are like, 
get off his back. It's legal. Plenty of things are legal and it doesn't make them like the right thing to do. There's all kinds of things I could legally do. (laughs) Should I do them? No. You know, Joe Manchin can legally block climate change when he has a ton of interests in coal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Should he? Should he? No. No. Yeah. No, we can legally do all kinds of shit. We can do a lot of a lot of the things you would want to do or wouldn't want to do. Yeah. Um, When it comes to like underage girls and also like when you're 50 years old. Yeah. Why are you marrying a 23 year old? When you're in your late 40s, why are you trying to date a teenager? Yeah. No matter how mature they are, but an old soul that they are. Yeah, no. Like, their brain's not done. No. Her brain was not done developing. Um, it's disgusting. His, in- I don't know if it still says this, but his Instagram profile used to be like, never want to grow up. Uh... We know, Dane. Like, we, we know. <laughs> uh, but it's disgusting. She's less than half his age. Why it's disgusting. <sighs> Power dynamics. Yeah. Uh, feels like if he was having game nights where 14 year old girls were invited and no boys of that age were invited right it was all men like 30 plus and women like 25 under that's such a red flag (laughs) yeah it doesn't feel (laughs) appropriate or right and of course she's like this is great oh my gosh like when i was 17 Mm-hmm. If any sort of celebrity was like, I love you and you're great, I probably would have been like, I'm insecure and this is great. You know, <laughs> like we can't. No, 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 no. Um, we see you to Dane Cook and I hope that she can get the fuck out of this because yeah. I don't disbelieve she's happy at this moment in her life. Right. But I also know part of me believes in 10 years I've never heard an account of a woman who met her partner when she was a teenager and he was 30 years older and she felt yeah. good about it, you know? Yeah. That's totally. ne- these stories always end with her being like, I was taken advantage of, you know? Right. Right. Gross. We see you. We knew he was gross. We, we knew did. he was a bad comedian. Yeah. Um, wish her the best. This isn't, you know, I'm not trying to poop on her, but like, why also why are you having a I can't imagine having like an adult's party and yeah. inviting 14 year olds yeah like not unless they're like my friend's kids you know right, right. oh yeah that's, that's a like, that's a hot 14 year old ew what the fuck no that's no just like, yeah no there's just like no party no like adult party no where, where you're like be ch- like children that's a good idea no no, oh, like, absolutely. If I had a friend with like a mature teen who wanted to come and like chat, I'd be like, all right, bring your kid. We can all hang out. But I would never just be like, yeah, bring your sexy teenager. <laughs> so gross. Oh, God. Dane Cook. Fuck. No. Yeah. Oh, man. That's Mm-mm. just too bad. Yeah. Dane Cook. <laughs> it disappointing. Is. I remember liking him when I was in high school. Like, thought he, like, Definitely yeah. laughed at some of his. his oh, me jokes. too. It's like, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah then you grew things. up. Yeah. But like the thing is <laughs> people around him grew up. Yeah. Uh, he didn't and now he's dating teenagers. Yeah. Or marrying, sorry. Marrying, like fully marrying. Full um, marriage. All right. Well, <laughs> My last we see you is um, so there's an an op ed that actually that my mom directed me to today. Uh, yes, how do you work? Yes, opinion guest essay in the New York Times. New York's hottest club is the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is an upsetting, irritating article that talks about. Dimes Square, like a downtown neighborhood popular with a pandemic-weary Gen Z or Zoomer crowd, um, but has spread across a network of podcasts and upstart publications. Its sensibility is more transgressive than progressive. Wow. (laughs) Many of its denizens profess to be apolitical. Mm. Others hold outre opinions, whether sincerely or as fashion statements, Trump hats, trade wife frocks, monarchist and anti-feminist sentiments. Perhaps the ultimate expression of this contrarian aesthetic is its embrace of Catholicism. No. <laughs> no, we don't want that. Motherfucking no. Um. So... And then it's basically talking about this and basically platforming this whole quote unquote trend as potentially shaping culture, as this writer says, as millennial Brooklyn did in its heyday. Well, first of all, way to make me feel old again with that type of a sentence. Millennial Brooklyn did in its heyday, as if that was like 50 years ago when it was. How old are we to the. <laughs> like, who's writing this? Like, please. I mean, we're. You're 31 and I'm 32, and this is not – Millennial Brooklyn was in its heyday, like, maximally 10 years ago. I hooked up with Millennial Brooklyn. Like yeah. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Bro- Millennial Brooklyn was mm-hmm, – yeah, that was a big part of our 20s. That was Yeah, that was inside of both of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare they? I know. So this is sort of uh, – I think – and I haven't – this is a reactionary we see you as, as a lot of mine are where I read it and feel like, you know, in knee-jerk nausea. Um, but I do feel like we're in – there's kind of like with um, Not Okay and a lot of, I think, trends or where – where at least where a lot of writers are wanting to project trends going for Gen Z, there's this like morality that – um, people are associating with uh, in like a counterculture morality of like I'm tired of liberalism <laughs> like and I'm cynical and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna vote it doesn't matter and like ooh I'm kind of like not your grandma's Catholic but like so I'm Catholic it's sort of like this is uh, I Yes, it does seem like there is this right-leaning, like, anti-intellectual strain that is sort of spreading with young people, like a certain segment of young people, and it feels countercultural to lean conservative or have some sort of, like, 
moral high ground, removing yourself from caring about the world and like maybe it's like a nihilism, but finding your way to Catholicism from there um, without actually having any actual, without it being rooted in faith, which like I was baptized Catholic and not Catholic anymore. But I mean, I cannot imagine finding your way to Catholicism without growing up Catholic. I can't even fucking fathom it. Like, I can't because well, you're not a it. cool youth, Mara. <laughs> I know. I guess I'm. Well, I'm definitely not a cool youth, but I can't. I and I do find it very upsetting that like quote unquote cool youths think that like. I mean, it's hard to be upset because your cat's sitting in your lap, and it's and you know he looks very zen, and like I just want to be as zen as him. He doesn't seem bothered by this Catholic trend in New York. He's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> Um, so that's good. His face just took my temperature down a little, but I, I, uh, I find this troubling. I don't think it's cool to like latch on to Catholicism, um, as a way to express some sort of like, mm, half-baked political, um, countercultural vibe because it really seems like oh catholicism's like a vibe i'm the, i'm vibing you know this is how do you vibe on... with catholicism like it is the you least don't vibey you don't it's such you an don't. unvibey religion it's a very unvibey religion there's absolutely nothing um mm, guys just like <sighs> get rid of this I don't have the appetite for a rise in Catholicism. <laughs> um, so it's it's patriarchal. It's anti-LGBTQ. It is uh, ignorant. It's, uh, you know, led to a lot of deaths over the years. And it really, a lot of it, um, you know, there's a lot of priests doing a lot of harm that people still don't like to talk about. And it's, like, still you know kind of a whole whole ass open secret um and the pope thinks he talks to god and even though he's not as bad as a lot of other popes he still i still don't believe he has like you know he he knows what's up so anyway whatever this is not very articulate it just is like the last thing i can even think about in like a long term it's like a long term growth in Catholicism in 2022, when we have the most access to information we could ever have. And, um, you know, people are trying really hard to make the world a better place. And um, broadly speaking, not all Catholics, hashtag not all Catholics, but like, you know, the Catholic church is not working super hard to make the world a better place. It just isn't. It's a very us and them thing. So we're better than that in 2022. Let's let's opt for progress, people. Have you thought about vibing more with the Catholic Church? <laughs> I haven't. It seem um, like I'm not vibing with the Catholic Church. If you would just consider like more of a vibe, you know what I mean. <laughs> Maybe that could work, but. The only good thing I have is Nepal's tiger population has tripled 
in the last 13 years and that's great because we thought all the tigers were gonna well hey so that's good great to be a tiger in nepal or maybe not great but better than it was 13 years ago (laughs) which you can't say for a lot of places you know you can't you can't Mm -hmm. i think that that's that is a good thing um i think so that's great that's great good for us we love a tiger great for us great for us we love a tiger yeah. Oh, and law enforcement is like going after the, well, we forgot this at the top, but law enforcement's going oh. after the four officers of Brianna Taylor's murder. Merrick Garland yeah. is actually mm-hmm. opening a case. And then finally with Ahmaud Aubrey's, one of his killers is, uh, what was it? Sentenced to another, um, like another lifetime in jail or something mm-hmm. like justice. I think so. Yeah. Is catching up with him to, I mean, justice will never catch him because Ahmaud Aubrey is dead. Killed and after that's... going on a run. No. Yeah, yeah, killed for going on a run. Absolutely horrific. Um, but at least, like, important to, oh, man. I just went on Twitter and, like, this is sort of know. irritating. Um. Have you seen the stuff going on, going around? Basically, they found, um, so Carolyn Bryant Donham, the white woman whose accusations led to the lynching of Emmett Till, she mm-hmm. has kind of been, like, on the she's DL. Been, she's been chatting. Yeah. And she had, she had basically said uh, that she lied. Um, and both of the men, as soon as they were found innocent, like, said that they did it. You know, it's like. It was all obviously a total sham, but um, there was a question because I think new evidence came out and people were floating pictures of um, this woman because she's like in her 80s. She looks really sickly, but who cares? Um, There was evidence she admitted um, and people were pushing for her to be uh, indicted. Um. And I guess a Mississippi jury declined to indict her. Ooh. So anyway, sorry, we were talking about good things, but then I opened Twitter to find, I I thought that I tweeted about a good thing. You can't open Twitter during these things. Uh, I can't, because just bad things come up. She deserves to be, she deserves to go to jail for the rest of her life at the very least. At the very least, at the very least. So anyway, sorry, that was like, I didn't do, no, I'm not responsible for that. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh, awful. Well, that's my bad for taking our good thing and jumping into bad thing. Great about the tigers, though, right? Yeah, I'm happy about the tigers. Great. Ugh, okay. Good chat, good chat. Well, (laughs) that about does it for us. Feminists Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. Bye. Bye.